Hello, thanks for listening to Acting Related, the My Sight Dead Actor podcast. I am Frank Prendergast, and today I'm chatting to John McCarthy. John was nominated last year for Best Supporting Actor in the Irish Theatre Awards for his role of Valine in Martin McDonagh's The Lonesome West. John is also a writer and director, and I'm always unbelievably impressed at how prolific John is in his creativity. So we're about to dive into some of the many projects he has on the go, and we're going to take a really close look at how he created a drama podcast which has amassed about 100,000 listens. Okay, let's chat. So John, thanks a million for joining me for a chat. Okay, um, Frank. I'm, yeah, I'm delighted to have you on because I think like, I know, so I know you first and foremost as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. And when I, I actually, I could not remember how we met, but I figure it must've been around, like around the time when I like first started getting into acting. Yeah. But I, I actually couldn't. Ed Malone maybe might have been a common person uh, at one point. Okay, maybe, yeah, yeah. Because I, I met Ed on the, because right when I started acting, I did a, a show, um, a kind of a devised piece with Kirk Adarka that Ed was in. So maybe, yeah, maybe that was yeah. it. So it would have been right when I started acting. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we would, um, like over the years, we kind of bump into each other and we have these in-depth conversations about acting and the artistic side of it, the business side of it, just kind of all aspects mm. of it, really. Um, so, yeah, I know you first and foremost as an actor, but you are an actor, writer, director. I'd love to hear a bit about what came first or what, you know, how they happened. Were they simultaneous? Yeah. And and actually, you were asking me about that in an email and I had to think about it because, um, I mean, the first paid work was definitely as an actor, but the first time doing what I can now see was probably theatre, like standing on a stage and, and saying stuff and doing stuff was in basically kind of sketch comedy. Again, again, we didn't know sketch comedy at the time, but in school. Um, and that was, so basically, even though I was acting, that was material that we were writing. Myself, myself and my friend, you know, we're, we, oh, let's put on these voices and, and do this sketch. And um, so I like to think that, that they kind of, they were happening simultaneously, that the writing which for years I just kind of thought I need to come up with stuff so I can say it, you know, so that there's a show so that people see something okay. or, um, and only then as the, as you get a bit older and the other people who have been kind of doing that with you start to fall away, you're like, Oh, now I'm a writer. I am writing. Right. And, no, and nobody like on Friday night is going to say this. And um, this is actually a thing that uh, is, is an act of writing in itself. Um, so yeah, like that's maybe a slightly um, long way of saying they 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 come from the same instinct, the same um, place. But acting was where I got the first, was sure. where I got all my experience actually of the theatre, and 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 I learned so much about writing by acting in brilliant plays that people had written, and and directing then, and directing again is much more recent still. So again, I would have uh, like co-directed things years ago. Um, but I was in so much of the work that I made myself that there needed to be somebody else outside that directing it, standing there directing it. And then when I came to make um, podcasts, uh, I had to direct that, even though, again, I didn't really think of it as directing. And then more recently, people came to me like Tyg Hickey, whose show is on in Dublin at the moment. It's a brilliant piece um, in one eye out the other. And we kind of ended up, uh, well, I was the director of that piece and I just realized it, it's, you don't have to suddenly become a different person to be a director either. Sure. Um, when I was thinking of talking to you last night, 
I was remembering this phrase which someone said, which I thought was such an ugly phrase, but it's stuck in my head. And they spoke about how you need to um, work in, uh, you move to, move to adjacent knowledge economies. It's such a horrible phrase, adjacent Ooh, knowledge adjacent economies. Knowledge economies. Yes. But that's how you learn. And what, when you, when you, when I asked them what on earth they meant by that, they meant that, you know, let's say you're, um, yeah, you're an actor. Then the a knowledge economy next to that is, is writing or is set designing or is, uh, and you can't kind of jump from being an actor to being, let's say, an mm. electrician, but you could go, oh, lighting design. And then lighting design is adjacent to electrics and so on. Um, that's really interesting, actually, mm. especially just for kind of where I find myself recently, because I've always found it, I've always found it really exhausting swapping mindsets from mm. say acting to digital marketing or website design, like, you right. know, the, basically the kind of the two halves of what I do, but with the help of some kind of friends and advice that I was like chatting it all through with, I have started to like tear down that mental wall that I had built up between yeah. the two things, which was, I think, causing me actually to be exhausted when I would have to switch between them and to yeah. find the adjacent knowledge economies <laughs> within them um, and which has made it a lot easier for me to kind of like feel like I'm I'm actually always you know I'm always being creative I'm always uh, telling stories whether it's like acting or whether it's a business story so and like finding that's interesting because yeah by, by kind of by finding those adjacent um, I've I've already forgotten adjacent <laughs> knowledge economies. <laughs> I've managed to yeah. I feel like I've managed to make it a lot less exhausting for myself. Yeah, because we've done it um, intuitively, or um, because you end up being good at it in what you've done, uh, and then you find yourself in a position yes that you're compartmentalized. I mean, I was I was a teacher full time for six years, and and in the summertime I'd kind of squeeze as much as I could into the midsummer festival if I could, and became harder as. I, as I kind of needed more of a break in the summertime from full-time yeah. work to be uh, kind of seeding something during the full-time work that would arrive in midsummer. But uh, I, again, a few years after that, I saw that actually they did fuel each other to a degree. There was um, the kind of preparation that, that you're meant to do as a teacher that I would do as a teacher, but ultimately the enjoyment of a good class being kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to do this preparation and I enjoy this material and we're all in this together, kind of, you know, I make it sound like every, every class was, 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 you know, Michelle Pfeiffer um, in uh, Dangerous, <laughs> Dangerous Minds. Is that, yeah. Is that what it was called? I think so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But to, to realize that, yes, even though I had built up this huge um, split, just like you said, this kind of wall between those two parts of what I did and was finding it really tiring. The, the things that I was, the skills that I was uh, learning as a teacher were very relevant and still are relevant yeah. to what I do. Um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm John McCarthy in all of them. You're Frank Vendergast in all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so you, you said as well, like that um, you were kind of at the start, you were, you were writing essentially because you needed something to say. And then you said it, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because like right from the very, very beginning, then you were, you were focused on creating your own work. Whether you, yes. you know, whether you termed it that or not, but it's like naturally you started out creating your own work but you just, you continued on, as you said, where others might kind of fall away. Um, and yeah. it, that's it's one of the of things arrogance. that I wanted to bring up as well, was just the fact mm -hmm. that like, it, it's always really impressive how much you have going on at any given time. So mm -hmm. I thought we might just touch on 
all the things that you that you have going on and and also maybe the things that that were lined up um when all this covid stuff happened yeah so first of all you have um well yeah last year you were nominated for best supporting actor um mm-hmm. and then you have the uh sorry the the artist in residence at uh, Cork Opera House and UCC. And out of that, you've been writing a new piece. That's right. Yeah. Making Whale, um, W-H-A-L-E, um, which is um, like a work that is hopefully going to be on next year in the Midsummer Festival. We just did finished a huge funding application for it um, last week. So it's it feels very fresh in my head. But yeah, that, that, that was a brilliant... Um, the residency has been really brilliant for that. It also has been really brilliant in that, and you asked me this question as well, like, am I, do I consider myself a writer, comma, actor, comma, director, uh, and or a theatre artist? And like it, the, the official title for that residency is Theatre Artist in Residence. Right. And sometimes that sits com- comfortably with me and other times it feels ridiculous to me that I was. I'm saying was because the residency finished in, at the end of August there, um, but there's yet to be somebody else. So I'm still holding on to the, I'm still uh, <laughs> holding on to the trophy. Um, but it, it, you know, it did, it did allow me to actually, it's similar to what we were just talking about. It did allow me to think that yes, these, um, me as an actor and me as a writer, that they are, they are, it is one person. Um, because when I, Hammergrin was a theatre company that I had where I was mainly acting um, and we were mainly doing sites, in fact, only doing site-specific theatre. And then for years, the Arts Council applications, which is where so much of your kind of official identity comes from, were done as John McCarthy as part of Hammergren. Um, but then in the last four or five years, I've been John McCarthy, you know, in collaboration with, let's say, a theatre venue or a festival. Um, and I've started to realise that the, the writer side of me um, can use the experience I've had working with directors as an actor to kind of go, look, I, I am, I'm seeing all these rich texts. I'm meeting all these brilliant collaborators, potential collaborators. Um, here's what I want to do with that. So uh, even though, as I say, theatre artist doesn't feel like who I am when I, when I am sitting down to write something or when I'm walking onto to a stage, uh, they are, I do need to accommodate kind of those things. Sorry, the residency made real, made me realize that they're necessary uh, to keep all those things going at sure. once. They, they feed each other. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you're also working on you're also working on a new practice, which sounded fascinating. Do you want to tell us a, a bit about I'm that? Going be, I'm going to be a veterinarian. Um, no, I am um, <laughs> veterinarian. I, I am. Yeah. That's so. I found. I sat down, I saw a play in Brighton. Um, sorry, it wasn't a play. It was a, it was a thing which turned out to be a dance piece. I didn't know what it was when I went into it. It was called Until the Lions by a choreographer called Akram Khan. And it just completely um, blew my mind. And I don't use that phrase lightly. I, I um, was kind of glued to my seat at the end and, and realized at the very end, I took a breath after it finished and I realized I kind of had forgotten to breathe. It was that good. Okay. It was just... Yeah. And at the same time, I couldn't describe to you what it was about at all. Right. Um, but it was a piece of uh, with three dancers in it, and I think something of the um, the ignorance I have towards how they made that, how people who dance make work, and the incapacity I have to do it myself uh, really draws me to it. Maybe it's one of those adjacent knowledge economies, but it's just out of reach. So, right. um, and also an exhaustion with writing words um, and and. And there's a kind of a backlog of work that I have done that is 
hopefully to be produced, but hasn't yet all of it been put on as the piece that I want to be put on. So I think that um, uh, combined with kind of seeing so much brilliant dance work over the last two years made me want to try and write a thing that was, the story was told without people talking to each other. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's what that new practice is exploring is how you brilliant. Uh, um, do that. Okay, cool. And then you also are researching a new project with um, the support of the Everyman and the Cork City Council. Yes, that's right. And that is about the, um, that's hopefully um, going to be kind of a piece that I would write and be in myself because that hasn't happened yet. Anything I write as myself, other, it's, for, it's kind of for other people at the moment. Right. Um, so that's um, an obstacle I have created for myself that I'd like to get over. Right. And then I also saw a work in progress that you were doing uh, with Damien Punch, which was fascinating, um, yes. which I, again, <laughs> when I was talking to you earlier, I kind of assumed that that was, you know, one of these projects that, that I saw listed on your website, but no, it's another thing altogether. Um, do you want to tell us a, a yeah. quick bit about that? And as well, like, and I, I, I definitely do. And just like these things listed on the website, they're kind of, because they're, they're discrete things on a, on a, in a list that I don't really think of them as, um, as that, to be honest, you know, but, sure. but um, yeah, the thing with Damien is, is just really out outside what I normally do. It, and I'm the same for Damien. Um, but we, and the, the public form of that, what it will be ultimately will be something like what you saw in the granary that time. Um, but both of us meet somewhere kind of uh, halfway between our practices. So Damien is very much, I, I hope I'm speaking for him fairly is really, he's actually a brilliant mover himself and he's really into kind of clowning and improvisation. Um, and I'm coming from uh, more sort of words and uh, heaviness per- perhaps. That might, that, may, that might be unfair to Damien. I, I don't know, Frank, it's, it's, we have great fun when we meet up and, uh, and we then try and recreate that in front of an audience. And um, sure. hopefully that will have some, some outing again in 2021. And then uh, the last thing that I just made a note of here as well was that when I was when I was kind of doing my my research, um, I also spotted that you were down uh, in on, on a list of people uh, due to have uh, work developed in the Abbey. Yes, that was meant to be on in April, and then COVID happened. Um, that was a reading development of uh, a play I've written called The Herd, which I was which I was and am still really excited about. Um, it's kind of a big proper play in that it has people entering and exiting the stage and um, a big set yeah. in the stage directions anyway. So the Abbey would be a brilliant place to do that. Um, and the, the dramaturg there, um, Louise Stevens has been really supportive um, about all of that. So they're trying to figure out how to do development work in this climate that we're in. Sure. Um, and whether it kind of can be served digitally or virtually. And personally, I would prefer to be in a room with people whenever that's possible. I don't want to do that now. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of incredible because like any one of those things we could dive into. And I think, you know, there would be a fascinating podcast to come out of it. But the thing that caught my eye when I was doing the research was that you have a science fiction drama uh, podcast. Yes. And I, it was, I was saying this to you the other day that I saw this and I was like, What? John has a, a drama podcast. Like, how did I not know this? And then, to be fair, I do. I think I probably was aware when when it when you absolutely yeah, first you started you, yeah. it. Yeah, and um, I just, to be honest, I 
probably just barely knew what a podcast was, had no idea how to access them. Was I probably was like, yeah, oh yeah, cool. I'll, I'll listen to that when I start listening to podcasts. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, it was this year I started listening to podcasts and make, and making one. Um, but, uh, so I also spotted that like, that is now nearing, um, how many listens? A hundred thousand we're nearly at 100,000 listens, yeah. 100,000 listens. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible, really. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it's brilliant. And um, and, I, and there are, I mean, as soon as you reach that, you're like, there's so many other milestones there. But it is really satisfying. Um, and it's really good to talk to you about it because you, I know you and uh, and and you live in Ireland. And it's just, we were talking about it briefly in setting this up the other day. And that's kind of the first time I've spoken to someone who isn't directly involved in making it about it. Because it's, um, because yeah, I, I guess we, we, we've spoken several times already about putting things in boxes and compartments. And that's one that's very much been put in a, in a bright. By that, I mean, I very much kept that as a kind of a thing that um, well, the reason I did it was because I, the reason I made this, this, uh, what in North America they call an audio drama. And I'm calling it that because that's what served it so well online to get right. those listens. Um, the reason I made that audio drama was because I was so sort of frustrated with writing things and then getting to a certain point and then not uh, being finished. And it struck me that you can, I, this is a piece that I can write and, and can, and make, and it yeah. will be finished. And to, to do something, I needed to make, I needed to complete something at that point. Yeah. And it's like, I was, I, I guess I actually, I suppose I felt a bit stupid actually when I saw it, because I was like, oh, that's genius. And like, how, how did I never, how did I never think of it? Because, you know, we talk about making our own work and we think of short films or plays and, um, you know, there's, there's, I would imagine that there, is, I'm sure there's a huge amount of work involved in doing a drama podcast, first of all, but I would imagine that it's an easier undertaking than a theatre production or even a short film, yeah. and particularly when it's science fiction, because yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you would do uh, In Darkness Fast, which is the name of it. Um, mm. I don't know how you would do In Darkness Fast, like if you wanted to make a, a, you know, a web series or something of that, I have no idea how you could yeah. even begin to approach it. Uh, I loved, by the way, while we're yeah, while we're while we're just talking about what it is, mm-hmm. I spotted that you had a quote on Reddit where someone asked you, you know, what's this about? <laughs> I just loved this. You said, "It's a sci-fi series set initially on a ship called Nerve Jump among its unsuspecting crew, who becomes suspecting." <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm laughing at myself now. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, no, it's fair enough because that's that's a brilliant line. Yeah, um, it is. What? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You said something there about um, how easy, yeah, and it is, it, it, I think it is easier to do than all those things, which, it, which I didn't think at the time, but it is also, unlike all those other things, it is something that you can do yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. So yes, you need other people to do the voices at a certain time, but then you have all that, what is digital material and, you know, for an hour, two hours, five hours, five hours a day, whatever it is, you um, can hone that into the thing that you then put online. So there's not the, the dependence. And I look, I love working with other people. Um, so this, um, but this was a project that I could do myself. And and that's kind of why I was the only way I could finish something was to, to rely on myself um, to do it. The, the, the podcast is something that you can work away as you are. You can work away on um, 
and your own time and get ready by yourself. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is, is a uh, useful thing to do. Yeah. So let's, let's like talk about the nitty gritty of like, of how you actually did it. So I know from, from the end of the episodes that you recorded in uh, Ringabella in, um, oh, what's the name of the studio? uh maple the maple rooms maple rooms yes thank you um, yeah so did you uh, that's a, it's a gorgeous studio as well um, mm. i've uh, i've been down there a few times um so did did everyone did you get the cast together did everyone go down did you all record together how so how did the recording bit work first of all yes uh, we didn't so it was really difficult i was actually living in london at the time and so um so maybe there were five of us there and it was it was december and several people had a cold and uh, we, were, we could only take a carload of people down because, um, well, it would be too expensive to like have another car to do it. Um, and also several of the people at the last minute weren't going to be home at Christmas. I think it was, um, I know the Kieran Fitzpatrick was meant to be coming from Abu Dhabi or Dubai. And in the end, um, I posted a little dictaphone to Abu Dhabi, um, to Kieran no Fitzpatrick, who then recorded on that. <laughs> And, and, and sent back the, I think he sent back the whole dictaphone, even though I told him he just needed to send back the SD card. So the majority of the main characters were there uh, for, you know, one day. And it was pretty rough. Uh, we kind of, at most, did scenes twice. We didn't have time to do a read-through. Um, and uh, Cormac was great. You know, he, he, it sounds really nice. Uh, but a, a lot of the, so all the narration stuff before and after, and then a lot of additional characters. Donica O'Connell, uh, I also recorded him separately. You know, we're we're done um, at home here at home, or, or um, kind of in there in, the, in those people's houses with with a Zoom four HN recorder, which has been invaluable to me. Cool, yeah. brilliant. And then, so you edited it, and I was again, yeah, I, I was amazed to hear that like you you undertook editing it together yourself then. I had a I had a rough idea of like I had edited um video roughly before for like an iMovie and things like this and I had at that time an Apple computer and it had GarageBand on it so when I was in when I was I was a teacher I used to run the drama club and we did a few radio plays so I just had enough of a working knowledge of that to know I could cut up audio and put it back together again um but GarageBand became sort of not good enough for what I needed to do. So then I have a few friends who um, work, you know, who record music and they recommended various things. And uh, Reaper was the product I ended up using, the, the DAW, the digital audio workstation. What's um, it, could you say, what's it called again? R-E-A-P-E-R. Okay. Um, and it just, uh, and there's so many online, you know, you just, if you, you're like, how do you do uh, the most basic thing? Just, you just search that. And someone has recorded a, a YouTube video or, has written a, a yeah instruction. so it was that one i had a lot of time on my hands uh, i was i just moved by the time i was editing it i was just moved back to cork and i was kind right. of restarting in many ways and it became something that i worked away on and soon had the skills to to put together the first season um which i'm really pleased with i'm proud of but but at the end of that process, I was kind of ready to make a podcast, you know, an audio drama podcast. I'd kind of learned all the stuff. Right. So okay. Season yeah. two kind of feels a lot more to me anyway, sounds better and is richer um, because I had, I, I knew kind of more what I needed to put into the writing of it to maximize right. the, the joy of creating the kind of sound world when I came to editing it. Right. Yeah. Cool. 
And where did you uh, where did you source things like sound effects? Um, online and again, uh, Cormac O'Connor was really helpful. With he, he has this, he, he kind of sh- sh- just showed me where you can find this um, online library, and you subscribe right. to it and um, pull a load of sound effects and yeah, uh, um, build some of them. The, the uh, season two, the credit music is kind of replaced in season two by this strange swirling sound, and that was a saucepan lid uh, that. Uh, I, I was one morning while thinking about In Darkness Fast, I kind of just let roll around on the counter a bit. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. Um, and uh, yeah, th- th- things like that um, um, are to, to make it feel like it is its own, it's an original piece as well. Because yes, you can get spaceship sound effect, but they're never quite the spaceship that you want. So a lot of it right. is, is just stretching or distorting sounds or mixing two sounds right. together. And so when it came to, um, when it came to doing season two, Mm-hmm. Did did how you recorded with the cast change? Um, yes, I think uh, actually, I mean, I, yes, I had a bit more time. So we did a table read before it and I had a bit more. Uh, did, did we, actually, Frank, no, I don't think it did. I mean, to be honest, it, we just did it again. Um, yeah. It wasn't it was in the summertime. So people weren't uh, sick and uh I was coming off a tour of a show with graffiti. So I kind of felt like I was match fit in vocally. Um, so I was more confident when I had been recording the first season, even though I'm a small character in it, I just felt a bit like, God, I don't sound, I'm not believing myself here. Um, but we all had to get on with it. Um, whereas I think I was more right. relaxed in the studio the second time, because that would have been the major difference. And I do think being a bit anxious as the director or writer of the piece in the studio uh, isn't a great presence. Whereas... Uh, the second time around, I think uh, I felt more assured sure. and, and the rest of the cast hopefully did as well. I think it's sound, um, you know, no discredit to people in, in the first season who all reappear in the second season, but I think it sounds a bit more together right. when we arrive at episode um, 13. And then how how about, like, how did you go about putting putting it out in the world? So, I mean, first of all, where did you where did you host it? Where did you host it initially? And, and do you continue to host it there or has that changed? Yeah. It's a really, it's so often um, derided online, but SoundCloud is, mm. was the original host and remains the host, despite lots of, there are clunky things about it, but the RSS feed um, <laughs> works and it has never been an issue with, um, like an, episodes have never gone down, um, as in disappeared or, I mean, there probably hasn't been the demand at once for them to, to not all be playing, but uh, it's good, it's... Um, and also it's just too, too cumbersome for me to try and figure out how to change it at this point. Um, sure. So I used that. And then in terms of putting it out, we were talking about Reddit um, the other day and really I, I, I just wanted to get the thing out there and uh, friends, um, I emailed friends like yourself and, and, and some and people did listen to it, but it was kind of just um, kind of petering along, petering out the stats wise. And then some, for some reason, I, I had never been on Reddit before. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I stumbled across a subreddit called Audio Drama with about, at the time, maybe 4,000 followers. And now there's 40,000 people who read this and just made a post about it. And suddenly I saw a huge, huge increase in, in listenership. And it kind of found its audience really uh, that way. Um, and now and again, uh, I kind of plug a post into that and, and people, uh, people listen to it again. Uh, you see that in the stats. So, right. so yeah, that's and, technically. And so, is that like is that is that literally the only promotion of it that you that you have done? It is because, um, yeah, it is. 
bar tweets and so on, uh, it is the right. only promotion I've done yet. Um, and I would like to, at the moment, I'm, I'm working on season three and now I feel ready to really put more effort behind that side of things. Um, another adjacent knowledge economy, like how to, and, and that's something that in the last year, as well as the, uh, in that residency that I had at the Opera House in UCC, so often as professionals, we think that the marketing is kind of, or I, did, I certainly did think that the marketing is kind of a secondary thing that someone else will do a bit mm. like the budget for a project, which I now love. I love make um, David Leddy, who's a theater artist in Scotland years ago, told me that you should get excited about the budget because that's where the whole potential of the project is. And if you're realistic enough and pragmatic enough in the budgeting of something, it will enable so much creativity down the line. Right. And, and I think marketing has remained a kind of a dark area for me where I'm just like, oh, somebody else will do that or sure, someone else will handle that. And, and I see now that actually the best person to do that often is the creator of a piece. Yeah. Um, certainly at my level where I can't just kind of bring in a marketing department to, to do something. Well, it's, I mean, it, it, because I do, you know, because I do digital marketing as part of what, you know, the other, of the, yeah. at the adjacent, <laughs> not the economies that I'm involved in. Mm. Um, <laughs> Uh, because of that, yeah, it's a, it's it's a little bit of a bugbear with me that you know that yeah that so many people think of it that way that there's a project and then marketing is hived off and someone will look after it and someone will make mm. it happen and we're not really sure but there you know it's kind of one of those diagrams with like and then some magic happens here and loads yes. of people come to see it <laughs> and really what needs to happen is that like you need to be bringing your audience along like in between the shows and building an audience in between the shows and making sure that you know, people know that what you're up to and making mm. sure that, you know, by the time there is a show, there are people listening when you say there's a show. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah I'll be, I'll be, uh, yeah, I'd love to chat to you more about that. Maybe uh, at, at another, another date. Um, yes. So, so yeah, so, so you're working on season three and I was going to ask you something there and it's gone completely out of my head. Um, audience. Audience. Uh, well, I was going to say, and like this, this might be just really boring, it's, but I find it exciting uh, talking to you about it. That the question, like, who is this for, is often um, one of these things that you know is a basic marketing question. And for years, I was just I, my my answer would be everyone. Everyone can come and see this, or everyone should go and listen to this. It's for everyone. And again, that only recently have I realized that's a cop out. You know, it's not. I don't go and see everything. Uh, sure. I'm not interested. And the things that do pique my interest are feel tailored to me. Um, and, and even if they're not, especially if they're not, you know, like how does this um, filmmaker in uh, Eastern Iraq make something that is so captivating for me? Um, and I, I feel like uh, getting that, that's so what I said there about season three coming up, I want to kind of figure out what is the, I know the audience. I know that the audience is predominantly in North America for this podcast in Darkness Fast. I know they are predominantly male. Um, and I know that they listen to other kind of sci-fi and horror podcasts. I don't listen to other sci-fi or horror podcasts. So why should they listen to this thing that I'm making? Um, do I be, do I make the piece more obscure, which is my tendency? <laughs> I would like season three to be uh, uh, to be more odd, more unusual than uh, what mm -hmm. started as quite a straightforward sci-fi story in season one and became, I think, a little bit more convoluted in an interesting way in season two? Or do I respect the audience that I have built up and keep those characters going and deliver what is already part of season, what is already part of the feel of the show? Um, and those are, those are 
rather than those being kind of difficult questions, I find them kind of exciting, creative questions. Uh, and and the 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 me ten years ago would have gone, you do what you want, man. You know, it's your podcast. Um, take it where you want to take it. But but I'm not so. That's not my gut reaction anymore. Sure. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because you are part of a community on Reddit now, which is where your your audience is. But it's also an interesting conundrum of is that your audience, or or is it that your piece resonates with the people in that group? So in a way, the the in a way you're piggybacking on the audience of a subreddit. Okay. Yes. So yes. it would be interesting to look at. It would be just interesting to look at if you put that out into a uh, a wider marketing context. Mm-hmm. Would you see a different demographic, or would you see it okay. reflected exactly what's in that subreddit? Um, yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, part of me remembers that before I ever was in that subreddit, there were still some clicks coming from North America, and remembers a seminal moment. I remember where I was sitting. Uh, when I saw a tweet, a notification on my phone, and I looked at the tweet, and it's and it said um, it was someone in Seattle saying, uh, "Really enjoyed on my morning jog, uh, listening to this new podcast in Darkness Fast." And I, I was just like, "Wow, there's somebody with headphones in in Seattle listening yeah. to it." It's uh, it's it is an extraordinary thing um, to make that connection. And I know it's not a real connection, you know, they've connected with a, with a thing that is between the two entities, me and this person jogging in Seattle, but it's so satisfying. Um, and, and what am I saying? I'm saying that, uh, I do think that there's something particular to, I think there's a bigger audience for sci-fi and, um, genre, uh, pieces among, uh, online in America than there are, let's say in France, um, sure. Because it's the English language as well, of course. Yeah. 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 Obviously. <laughs> and and your motivations. So the so mm-hmm. season one, you had a motivation of this is something that I can create and control and do and put out there. <laughs> this yeah. season three, I mean, um, you know, we went through we went through the list of of the things that you have on and the things that you are creating, and you know, it sounds like you are in control of a, of a lot of things that you're putting out into the world creatively. So, have your motivations changed now mm. for season three of In Darkness Vast? Well, um, it's an interesting question, and and I, I will answer it. Um, the, the thing about control, um, the control thing, is important, I think, because there's an illusion of control and all those things that, that I'm really happy that you list, you know, but you put all those things out and the chances are that, you know, they won't all happen. Um, and so there is a giving over obviously of control there as well. Uh, there's a respecting of the fact that so many things get developed that don't finish. Um, so within, so within that context, uh, even still that original motivation remains, I think from season one that I can still do something, but, I also feel more, I feel like it's a more personal thing now. I feel like I've gone from, this is something I kind of have to do. To, this is something I want to do. Season three is something I want to, I want to take um, what is a large audience that will hopefully have stuck around. And I want to take them somewhere um, uh, because I can. Um, and I, And I'm not going to, this time I'm not going to, I'm going to compromise even less this time on quality. Because inevitably, if you are trying to record 
Uh, it's about two and a half hours of material each season. If you're trying to record two and a half hours in six hours of studio time, you are compromising quality. And I work with brilliant people on it. Um, it's not there. I lay that um, quality kind of accusation at myself. But this time around, I want to, I want that not to be an issue, not to be an excuse for myself. Mm-hmm. I want to kind of go, I completely got what I wanted with season three. Sure. Um, of this thing. And I also wanted to be a piece that you don't have to listen to the first 24 episodes to get there. Um, right. I don't know. That's kind of something I haven't figured out, but how could right. this be a wide enough entry that it can, uh, that it can just start from zero for people as well. Brilliant. Well, <laughs> excellent. What actually last question, what kind of time frame are we looking at before we will be able to listen to season three? Do you think? Oh, at least a year, I think realistically, because it's just, yeah, it, but once it gets recorded, it's going to be another like three or four months of, uh, of editing it and it sure. isn't even anywhere near written. So, uh, yeah, sure. at least a year. Sure. Brilliant. Well, I look forward to it. Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I am, I'm in awe of like all of the creative strands that you have going on. It's, uh, it's really impressive. And also I hope that maybe, uh, maybe there's some people out there who like me just, it hadn't dawned on them the even the concept of like a drama podcast. So maybe yeah. it might even inspire a few people to uh to do something similar. And um I think yeah, thanks for for all the insights into like how precisely you actually go about doing that then if 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 one wants to. Um yeah. thanks a million John. Been thanks, lovely thanks. as always chatting to you. Um and I will chat to you again soon. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to learn more about John, you can go to www.mccarthyjohn.com and of course, be sure and look out for In Darkness Fast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll put links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening. Please do subscribe if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. And I'd really appreciate if you'd share this with someone if you think they would enjoy it as well. I'm Frank Prendergast. You can find me on Twitter at Frankie P. And if you are looking for a quick, easy and affordable actors website, please do check out www.mysite.actor. Cheers. Cheers.